0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your
1: Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
2: Hour number three, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. At the bottom of the hour, Adam Stanley, golf analyst, does stuff for Sportsnet. We'll talk about the emotional Ryder Cup over the weekend and uh, Ricky Fowler conceding a putt for the Europeans to win the Ryder Cup which I thought was super weird. we will talk to Adam Stanley about that. But joining us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, he is the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy. Craig, I wish you were joining us with uh, better circumstances this morning. How are you?
0: I'm good. Yeah, obviously uh, none of us want to be talking about this today, but, uh, you know, it's also maybe a celebration of Chris's life, which – you know, he nobody battled harder for the last five years, and no one enjoyed, uh, you know, every day more than him, uh, especially down the stretch. I mean, he made sure he did everything he ever wanted to, and it kind of puts things in perspective uh, for all, for all of us.
2: When's the first time you met him?
0: I met him, oh, I think it was twelve years ago, like training camp when when, when he was hired. He came in and. You know, I knew he was coming in, uh, kind of his background, a journalist, so I was a little skeptical, you know, mm. as probably anybody. And, uh, you know, Doug Ridesborough hired him in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, once he came in, it was interesting just his perspective, what he wanted to do analytically, what he wanted, you know, kind of the way he saw the game and that was the one thing I think people kind of said, well, he never really played the game, but he had a good feel for the game. I mean, he did. He, so, uh, yeah, I got to meet him. Training camp that first year, uh, Jay was the GM. I was just texting with Jay Fisa this morning. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it seems like just yesterday, but it's, you know, it's, it's been 13 years now.
2: Where did you have that aha moment with him when you met him early on, when he, when he was talking analytics with you?
0: Well, I think when he started, you know, we were talking about everything and I love fantasy baseball. So I'm really excited about all the, you know, everything they do. I don't know, you know, people who play fantasy sports, it's amazing what they have and what he was going to do was build a website and put what we found valuable, you know, where we could pull and do comparisons and, and everything like that in one spot under one thing. Whether reading reports. And it was like, Oh wow. I, I just found it so fascinating, exciting that we were going to have our own and, you know, for him to start building it, it, it wasn't easy. It took him a while, but uh, you know, he, he got it up and running and I think where it's going to go. Uh, we just made another, another hire um, the other day analytics side and where it's going to go and is going to be phenomenal for us. I mean, it's, it's going to be uh you know, cutting edge. And that, and that was all Chris. So I think the website starting was my first aha moment uh, for sure.
1: He was a former writer, like you mentioned, Uh, that's not necessarily an easy transition to go from our side of the business to your side of the business. What about Chris made him able to do that?
0: You know, I think, I think the one thing is he, he did have a good grasp of the game and he knew what, it took to win in the game and to be around. And I think, I don't know what happened in Minnesota, but I think he had a real good uh, feeling. I mean, I think when he got here, the one thing I could give him was as a player, when you're on the bus, when you're around coaches, when to say something, when not to say something, don't laugh, don't talk, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I could bring all the, the life experiences of playing. And then he would, he would, you know, he had uh, all the different ideas. And I think that's the one nice thing. It's, it's a, you know, I think as a player, you've been programmed in your mind's one way, and he just kind of opened it up and, and saw the game a little differently. So it's it was uh, it was a good mix. I mean, we used to sit and debate. And we didn't agree all the time. We battled, <laughs> mm. <laughs> literally always battling. But that's what made it fun. You know, no one's going to agree on everything, and if they do, then that makes me a little nervous too. If we're always agreeing, so it was, you know, it was one of those relationships where. You know, we live close, the family, uh, you know, just we just when you work with someone that close, you're here sitting in the office today thinking. We always were together. You're you're together more than you are with your family, really. So uh, you know you just become that close, and it was uh, it was fun. Uh, you know, not always not always agreeing, but we definitely mm. uh, in the end. Usually, it was me apologizing because I'd start <laughs> snapping after a while. <laughs>
1: mm. I'm I'm curious by like how he saw or how he feels the game because that's something we always talk about. Different people see the game a little bit differently. Do you have like an example or or maybe a, a moment where something that he brought up about a player was different than the way that you were seeing something and, and made you have a little bit of a different perspective
0: well I, yeah I mean I think uh, the one thing that's hard is 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 hockey you know hockey sense what, what I loved about what he could do was with analytics you can you know we have scouts at games say we, we have 25 scouts there are games they can't be at every game the analytics really goes in and kind of with our scouts, what's important to us, it kind of shows you who's popping. So say there's a a, a player in Alaska that's really – the numbers are off the charts. It's nice. He can send you a note say, hey, this is a guy that from our criteria, from the numbers, he's having an exceptional year. We need to get some viewings on this guy. So I think as much as it's individual players because – he, he made great calls on some players and some players were wrong, but that's just like a scout. I mean, you know, and for whatever reason it doesn't work. Maybe the skating wasn't good enough uh, size skating combination, you know, all those things. Yeah. You have to have a little bit of, of everything. And uh, you know, I think as we were moving forward, he would say, okay, why didn't, you know, and that's one thing about where we are. You could you could say I like a player five years ago, and then we can watch that player. Did he did he achieve what we thought or not? And I think that's where Chris was really uh, fine tuning how to how to move forward because we're all going to make mistakes, even analytics. Just because a guy's good in junior or college or wherever, it doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean they're going to be kind of a star at the next level. You know, we've seen lots of guys, and then some guys that are right they've been good players and then they just seem to take off. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing and it's not an exact science. You never know. People have problems in life, uh, girlfriends, uh, family issues. So you never know what people are going through. So you've got to keep, keep an open mind at all times.
2: Craig, what's your favorite Chris Snow story? No,
0: oh. <laughs> well, I don't even know if I should say it, but you know, we were, uh, we we were playing hockey. We played hockey during the lockout every morning. So Snowy and I would be battling. And uh, he, he he. the one thing when you don't, you know, when you're not wearing face masks, he would love, the puck went in the air. He'd love to put his stick up in the air. And I'm like, hey, you can't put your stick up in the air like that. You're going to hit me in the face. So I think after the third time, <laughs> I snapped. And he went to go in the corner and I flew in there and ran him. Oh my God. And I thought right when I did it, and he went flying in the boards. I'm thinking, Oh man, what was I doing? I'm an idiot. Like I, I, but he's skating after me yelling and I'm yelling at him and Clint Miller took out of nowhere adversity, adversity. I love it. <laughs> so, so, and then, and then again, I had to apologize once again, like, but it was, it was always those times. It was, you know, when we were at the drafts when we were late nights talking about stuff and, You know, uh, whether he loves poker, he has a poker crew that he really enjoys. Uh, You know, he just, it's, it's all those times uh, going to Cohen's games, you know, those are the most fun for him. We would talk baseball, you know, that, that's the best part. Like he... he he thinks he knows a lot about baseball or did know a lot about baseball. And I, I'd be battling because at the beginning I used to watch like four games a day. uh, When I had my fantasy teams. my wife hated me, (laughs) but I was dialed in Mm -hmm. for a while. So it was, uh, you know, it's all those, it's those little things that the time spent going to have a coffee in the morning with him and sit in his couch. And I know he has work to do. And I still want to want to talk about some of the games the night before. What do you think of that player? Did you see the young guy that got called up, you know, and he's like no i was in bed craig why are you still awake i'm like oh my kids are all gone
2: <laughs> craig how legendary so, was his work ethic
0: you know that was a thing i mean there were days you know that's the one thing people like don't know they're, they're long days i mean they're not they're not uh, you're not labor intensive days, but they're, they're draining days. You know, when he's trying to do contracts, he just did the Parker, Parker bell contract, you know, all the research, all the stuff that goes behind what we do here. So they're long days. And I used to get nervous because I know when he got tired, you're, you know, whether it was a draft, whether it was certain times, probably in the last few years. And I would say, go home, Snowy. You don't have to be here. No, I want to be here. I want to be here. I don't want to miss anything. I want to be a part of everything. So even, you know, last week, I could tell with training camp starting, they are long, you know, you're here early and you leave late and there's games at night. So you just, you know, even, I mean, we did a three-year projection uh, I asked for um, the other day. And, you know, even Kelsey told me, Hey, I, you know, Chris finished the project, uh, right before everything happened and, and, and didn't send it to me, but I was like, you know, that's how it was right up until the very end. He, uh, he always was working and he wanted to work. You know, that was the one thing. Cause I always said, just stay home. Like, it's fine. Like no way he's coming in, you know, whether, you know, I went and picked him up or Kelsey brought him down and Kelsey brought him home or I brought him home. I mean, he was, uh, he just wanted to be around it and he wanted to do, he wanted to do more, even at the end. He, you know, he's always, is there a project? He had a project for his analytics groups. Everything that he's doing was trying to, to improve and get better and, and make the team better, at, right up to the very end.
1: Well, and, and Craig, like, the, that's so amazing, especially understanding everything that he was doing to raise money and awareness for ALS research, really, like even before his diagnosis, right? Like There, there, there was essentially two jobs for him. Uh, totally. I mean, he, he took
0: both, you know, when he decided to come out even before because of of his family situation behind this, maybe he wasn't as public, but you know, ALS was something he was always, you know, supporting. He was trying to raise awareness. And then when he was diagnosed, you know, uh, I remember sitting there asking him like, is, are you going to mention anybody to the office? Are you going to, He's like, I just need to kind of think about it, Connie, and then we'll, you know, come with a plan. And then when he came with a plan, it was like, he's like, no, nope, we're going to tell the world. We're going to – I want I want to put an end to this. If there's an opportunity for me to help the next generation and that nobody will ever go through what I'm going to go through. And it's, it was pretty special. I mean, especially Kelsey. And, you know, the one thing I think that the battle, but the way he – he was as good a writer as I've ever seen. I used to, I, I'd be like, Snowy, can you write this for me? This is what I want to do. (laughs) And and he, I'm like, Oh, that sounds way better than the way I would say it. So, you know, the kind of way he went about it and started and putting it out there and Kelsey with everything on, you know, that she would post and, and then the podcast and, you know, trying to, you know, just everything he did to kind of build the awareness and, and, you know, I think that's going to continue on. I mean, that's not something that is ever going to stop because he just was so passionate about it. And, yeah, as, as hard as he worked in the hockey side, he worked just as hard to try to raise awareness and, and money for research to, to to hopefully cure ALS at some point.
1: Craig, I, I know Cohen was at the announcement for Michael Backlund with the contract and the captaincy. Uh, maybe just a thought on um, Cohen, Willa, Kelsey, and the rest of the family that was just as involved with, with this battle too.
0: You know, that's the thing. I mean, the way it affects everybody in the family, I mean, Kelsey, To you know, I guess at times I would worry for her, uh, just because she was doing everything. I mean, it was, it was really, uh, inspirational to watch her day in and day out, never complained. You know, she's got two young kids. She's got Chris and, you know what, everything she went through from making his meals to, to making sure he was okay to, you know, getting him down to the rink, everything. And, and to see the kids and how, you know, whether it was when I would go to pick him up at the house, Cohen would help, you know, make sure his shoes were on his jacket. You know, I'm like, Cohen, I can do it. He goes, no, no, I got it, Craig, you know, like just the way they supported Chris uh, down the stretch and how much Chris really loved. I mean, his favorite times was just being home with his family and going to the rink and anything the kids had. I mean, we would, you know, talk about That's That's what really drove him every day. He's like, I don't want to miss one of these days, Craig. I want to, I want to see as many days as I can. And, and he did, I mean, from going from six months to a year to have five years, it's it was amazing battle, but you know, he just, uh, he just loved them. And, you know, that's the thing. They're part of the flames family, you know, and that's, to bring him down here to have him here when we did the Backland deal, I asked him if he wanted to go home. It was a long day, but he's like, no, no, I want to be there. So I was excited that uh, that he was here for that, and felt like his dad would be would be happy also.
2: Craig, how tough has this been for you on a personal level? Obviously, it's your first season as a GM. A lot of exciting times, you know, re-signing Michael, naming him the team captain. You know, you're about to kick off a season, you know, where you're you're in charge, you're the general manager of the team. Exciting times, stressful times for you, and then, you know, y- you have to deal with one of your friends going through what he had to do and then ultimately passing away. Just from a personal level for you, how bittersweet has all of this been for you?
0: Yeah, it's mixed emotions. I mean, obviously it puts everything in perspective for me. It's not a lot of sleeping at night. You know, you wake up three o'clock in the morning thinking about chris and then all of a sudden your mind wanders to the team and you're back to chris and you know it's uh you know and when it all yeah when it all just happened chris has always found a way to you know to fight through and you know i think last christmas uh you know he was on the ventilator and he found a way to 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 bounce back and and i think at the beginning you're hoping that's gonna it's gonna be the same situation and then uh you know, but you're, you're also trying to work on things on the hockey side and, and you have 63 guys in camp and it, you know, it's hard because you want to, you want to kind of give both your full attention and, and it's, it's, it's difficult, but really the Chris situation was first and foremost, because, you know, that's, it puts everything. I mean, hockey, I love, love the job, love the game, but you know, it's, uh, his, his life is, is more important than any of this, you know, and that, but with that said, he would want me to do nothing more than, uh, get guys done to be able to sign back. When, I mean, the recommendations are right on my desk, everything that, you know, he mm. had, uh, all the comps, all the stuff, where we should be looking at how long we should try to sign guys for. And, uh, you know that, that that that's sad because i know he's never going to be doing it i mean the one thing he did say after he did parker bell's contract and it was it was a little difficult to to do some of the contracts because of the communication but he uh he's like hey if you want me to do the backland deal i'll get on i'll get it done tomorrow so you know that was that was when we were in Penticton. So I'm like, well, we're moving, we're going with your recommendation, Snowy, but we're, uh, you know, he's like, okay, just let me know. I mean, that's, that was him. He wanted to do more and more and, and he loved doing contracts. That was his, uh, his big thing was to, to get the contracts going. So, you know, it's uh it is bittersweet, but you know, I'm really, as we move forward, I, I want to have a great year and I want to, you know, to kind of dedicate the season to him because, you know, this was, this was definitely his happy place.
2: Craig Conroy is the general manager of the Calgary Flames. Uh, Craig, uh, we really appreciate you joining us this morning, sharing some stories, and uh, best of luck for the upcoming season. We'll all be watching. Thanks for this.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, there he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Obviously, uh, my interactions uh, with Chris Snow, I I never had the opportunity, unfortunately, to, to, to talk or discuss with him. But I just remember um, being at that, News conference when Craig was introduced as GM of the team and, and Chris was introduced as a, the uh, assistant GM of the team as well. And I just remember thinking to myself, Maddie, that what an inspiration that guy is, like what he's gone through and, and the diagnosis and that terrible disease he was living with. And just watching him sitting there watching the press conference, it it literally gave me goosebumps saying, wow, what, what an incredible human being that guy is.
1: Exactly it right. He has been with the organization for a long time. Like I don't know if a lot of people understand the trajectory that he kind of went through. He was a, a sports writer. He worked in Boston and uh, ended up working for the Wild in their hockey operations department. Eventually got hired by the Calgary Flames, and yeah, has done a lot of work with contracts and comparables in the analytics department here for the Flames. Um, yeah, this is a a hard time for the organization, but I'm right there with you. Like right when I remember the day as well, when Connie got announced as the GM and Chris was there. Um, yeah, this is really hard, man. I would encourage people to go check out um, Kelsey Snow's Twitter account at Kelsey S Rights. Uh, she's got a great amount of information there. Uh, they have a GoFundMe set up right now as well. And uh RightsideStrong.org is the, the website that they had set up prior just kind of talking about ALS and, and a little bit more of their story too. So that's where I would point people.
2: Yeah, and uh very well said by Craig that uh they're dedicating the season uh to him uh in his memory. They have and, the uh
1: snowy strong stickers that are gonna be on the helmets, yeah. I believe, for the entire season.
2: And uh if you missed the conversation, uh check out the podcast Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, where Craig talks about how we ran them in a pickup game. <laughs> because that's how uh the intensity uh, from <laughs> Craig Conroy uh, takes over, uh, which was uh, like, an incredible story. I warned him three times, and then I ran him in the corner.
1: And for like not even high-sticking him, for just like getting close to high-sticking him, too. Yeah. Also, that is just another story, I think, that encapsulates how competitive Craig Conroy is. Yeah. Like when he got the GM job, and people were like, oh, he's too soft. That's, that's just an inaccurate depiction of what Craig Conroy is. He is charismatic. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good story. It's gonna be um it's gonna be different. You can tell just by you know, listening to that chat with Craig how vastly different things what are. What a hole like there is, is now in the organization. Just yeah. Part of your day to day life like that, right? Again,
2: um condolences uh from all of us here at SportsNet nine sixty uh to the Snow family and uh rest in peace. Chris Snow, Um, Adam Stanley, golf analyst uh, for Sportsnet. Uh, We'll talk about the Ryder Cup, and uh, we'll have a little bit of fun uh, to wrap up the show. Um, Something you'd like to hear on the anniversary show uh, tomorrow. It's the big show. It's Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Keep those texts rolling in, 960, 960, name and location. Tomorrow's our one-year anniversary. What do you want to hear on the show that we can dig up potentially here?
1: There's a lot of good stuff that we've done. But there's a lot of good stuff that we've done, and I would never like to hear again because we sound like idiots doing it. So if there's something that comes to mind, please send it in. We'll try and gather it for you. Mm.
2: There's some Brody on the beat stuff out there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, a little panquakes. Panquakes. uh, The guy in the basement poor guy in the basement well
1: there was two guys there was the There's guy who brings people to his basement creepy basement guy. yeah and then there was the and guy who has was the, the sad light sad show basement the sad light <laughs> yes. show basement guy yeah we should probably see, grab both of those different but play yeah.
2: him uh tomorrow maybe have alex on the show tomorrow as well instead of him uh pranking me we'll see if he's busy that I think thing his wheel. name is randy yeah um but first uh the Ryder I talked to cup. him
1: about that he was surprised he didn't pick up on randy oh
2: okay um well we'll discuss we'll have him on tomorrow such an incredibly hard get um adam stanley um covers uh golf does a great job covering it does it for sportsnet too uh adam stanley joining us here on the atlas pizza in sports bar guest hotline good morning sir how are you
3: good morning i'm good congratulations one year that's awesome just wanted to uh wow. say that's great so thank yeah, you
2: good for you guys that's, very kind of awesome. you uh, to say um Adam, is, is Ricky Fowler conceding a putt to win the Ryder Cup the most Ricky Fowler thing ever?
3: Uh, Ricky Fowler just can't not be the first guy to hug a winner of a tournament. And if that means conceding the entire thing, then, uh, then so be it. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't been on a team like this in, in a couple of years, and maybe he just uh, just totally forgot the, forgot the protocol. I am genuinely curious. I mean, there was so much other stuff that happened over the last, let's call it, 36 hours or so on, on the U.S. side. So it, it, it does make sense that it wasn't broached. But but genuinely, I cannot believe that nobody asked in the in the Sunday night presser, like, uh, Ricky, uh, hello, Rick, did you know that what you did at two and a half feet, three feet, was to actually give the Europeans the, the cup? I, I was flabbergasted that that question didn't come up. But yes, to answer your question, it is the most Ricky Fowler thing to ever happen, <laughs> for sure.
1: It was uh, a weekend full of all sorts of different incredible visuals. We had Scotty Scheffler balling. We had Rory trying to fight people outside the course. We had Rory going at it with people on the course, but we also had Hatgate. What did you make of Hatgate and Patrick Cantley going without a bucket for the uh, final couple of days?
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was one of those things where I, I couldn't believe that it, uh, that that was like a storyline, but then you kind of, reverse back and you look at the 12 months that that has gone by in men's professional golf and you kind of shrug your shoulders and think well makes total sense (laughs) can't believe that we got to this point but given everything else that's happened i mean there is a there is an actual department of justice investigation unfolding on the stage of men's professional golf right now and so you know if we go all the way from that to you know, if somebody wants to wear a hat or not, I, I mean, I guess it, I guess it does make sense. A lot more news kind of came out this morning. One of the, uh, one of the London, England newspapers, uh, I think it was the times they, they had an exclusive with Xander Shafley's father, uh, Stefan, who's a bit of a, uh, bit of a wild character at the best of times. And, and he basically kind of, un he unloaded on, on, as to why, you know, some of that reporting what was taken as it was apparently, um, Xander and, and, uh, and Patrick Cantlay, who are really good friends, uh, they didn't want to uh, they had three kind of amendments to the to the player agreement between you know each individual and in the pga of america you know they wanted to be uh netflix cameras wanted to be in there they said no to that um there was a couple of other kind of specific things on the on the on, on the pay for play side so um yeah we can kind of see how the reporting kind of got to that point with respect to a kind of a riff in the team room but um it was just it was very curious and and it was you know one of those things that you know patrick Cantlay is, is not not that fiery, but given what had happened on Saturday afternoon, kind of outside the ropes. And you look at some of those iconic images of the entire team kind of waving their hat at him as he just kind of came back um, and and took it to the, to, to the European side. um, You know, it was, it it could have been one of those all time backfires on the European press side of things. If, uh, if team USA did end up coming back on Sunday and, and winning this thing.
1: So are you buying that the hat was too small?
3: I mean, I I think the the precedent has been set. Like he didn't wear a hat at the Ryder Cup in two thousand twenty one mm-hmm. either. Um, so I I could kind of go I could kind of go either way on the on the fitting side of things. I I mean, and he also said that he was getting married today, so there was like a half joke that he just wanted to even out the tan lines or something like that. So um, yeah, I mean he. he the the fact of the matter is he didn't wear a hat at the Ryder Cup the last time it was played either. So I, I'm going to tend to agree with, with Cantley on this one uh, where does, uh, versus a form of protest.
2: Uh, where does he rank as maybe one of the guys that uh, a lot of guys on tour aren't maybe the biggest fan of? We know the slow play, a guy that, you know, doesn't have that boisterous, you know, uh, personality. Uh, where does he rank on guys who get along with him on tour? Because I'm sure this isn't helping his cause.
3: Yeah, no, not not that high. I think he he's got that classic kind of uh I'm the smartest guy in the room, just ask me kind of vibe uh, sure. about him and and that isn't uh you know isn't isn't all that well received. I mean, I think you know he 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 he's had a pretty um tumultuous uh to this point, like career to this point. I mean, he was a stud, absolute stud amateur, um, nearly one as an amateur, you know, a bunch of years ago, 10 years ago, um, had, had some serious, serious injuries, uh, lost his best friend in a, in a car accident. Um, and I think, I don't know if he was driving or, or if he was, you know, in, in the other car, I don't really know hundred percent of what happened, but yeah, he, he's had quite the journey to, to get to this point. Um, and, and so there might be just a bunch of factors as to why he is how he is, but yeah, between the slow play, between the between the attitude between kind of like holding up the proceedings if you will at at, at kind of this stage and and certainly on the pga tour side of things um yeah he's he's not that popular and and i don't think this is going to help matters
1: it's ridiculous to have a wedding the day after participating in the Ryder cup right like i've never been married (laughs) but i've filmed weddings before like this is this is flat out preposterous
3: who gets who gets married on a monday
1: come on who gets married on a Monday? Who gets married with like a full weekend of events before? Like that is ridiculous to me.
3: <laughs> I mean, he saved money on uh on his flight to Rome because, you know, the PGA of America paid for it. So maybe maybe that's it. Um, you know, all the, I guess his <laughs> His, his buddies and air quotes. The rest of the U.S. team—they were already over there, so why not have the why not have the wedding in Rome instead? But uh, what was the word you used? Preposterous. Yeah, I would say that that is one hundred percent a, a, a ter- this was a terrible idea.
1: Like there is a certain sense of I don't know the word that I'm looking for, but he wears a Goldman Sachs hat when he's on tour, and now he's pinching pennies by getting married on a Monday. Like, come on, now yeah. those don't make sense. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and he was the one that wanted uh, wanted to get paid to play in the Ryder Cup as well. It's a it was an odd it was an odd scene for sure.
1: What did you make? That Xander r- that's, uh,
3: Schaalley's dad he was the uh, he was the one who also trotted that out, and then the reporters had to ask Patrick to confirm if he was getting married uh, today or not. So yeah, Vander dad's definitely a <laughs> true wild card. <laughs>
1: uh, what did you make of the weekend for Rory or the weekend for Joe Lacava? You can go either way. <laughs> you know I think.
3: The quickly on Joe because I probably have more to say about Rory. I mean, Joe Lacava has been, you know, a caddy for the best players in the world for you know three decades, if not more. I mean, you don't get on the bag of Tiger for as long as he has been, you know, without being, you know, the best of the best. Fred Couples, he was on that bag for a long time too. Like Joe, Joe knows what it is to be a caddy on the highest level. So I, I would have an inkling, and, and based on some of the tweets that I've seen from you know other caddies on tour at that top tier level there was probably something whether it was you know a fan just kind of getting under his skin or or just the afternoon you know being turned up to 11 or something like that 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 prompted you know Joe to to do this. And, and you know what, maybe he was just standing up for his man, you know, was, and, and that might be part of it as a caddy, you know, rule number one, you look out for your guy. And and maybe that was, you know, maybe that was something that, that kind of prompted this particular thing. Cause I don't think that Joe, you know, as a, as a person, you know, would, would do this without something kind of sparking him to get there on the other side of it, Rory. I mean, we saw, a wide spectrum of Rory McIlroy's this week. We saw, you know, kind of the crying Rory. We saw the emotional Rory. We saw the angry Rory. We saw the funny Rory. We got the very, very drunk Rory as well last, last night. Uh, but then we saw what we're used to, the very, very good golfer Rory. I mean, Rory has never in his career had a better Ryder Cup than, you know, these last couple days. And I think he, he felt internally he had something to prove. After playing so poorly at Whistling Straits, you know, came came out, got the most points on the European side. Um, you know, was the spark plug, was one of the guys who had to be a leader, and and 100% was. And, and I just thought it was an an incredibly impressive output from Rory uh, this past weekend.
2: Uh, who do you like more, Tyrrell Hatton or Shane Lowry, uh, Adam? <laughs>
3: you know I feel like I feel like Terrell would you know be the one to kind of have so much fun at a bar but then get into a fight at the end of the night right Shane would have so much fun at the at the bar and then kind of like break up the fight so I would rather be uh, and I think Shane's a little bit bigger, so I think I'd rather yeah. party with Shane, but you know, those, those two guys just definitely look to be all, 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 timers. And, uh, yeah, I think Shane, I think Shane had maybe a bit of a coming out party this past weekend. Cause he played really well at Whistling straight, uh, but obviously they lost, but then this weekend, you know, he played really well and he was just, he was just hilarious. It's just one of those guys where it's like, yeah, I would love to be this guy's friend for sure.
2: Um, just uh, piggybacking on uh, Victor Hovland's season. Obviously, he was fantastic yeah. again this week for the Ryder Cup. Would you be surprised if this guy is a major champion next year?
3: No, not not in the slightest. I mean, you look at, uh, okay, fine, recency bias maybe. Won the last two tournaments on the PGA Tour season. Those were whatever it was a month ago. And it's like, oh, yeah, obviously, we're going to roll that in the next year. But you look at the body of work, the full-on 12-months, didn't miss a cut. Um, he knew where it was that he needed to improve. I think his ball striking has always been world-class. I think he's been in the top 10 in that strokes gained ball striking stats uh, or the collection of them over the last number of years. But, you know, knew that he struggled in the short game. And I think strokes gained around the green. Uh, I read this somewhere else um, you know, at the beginning of the week. You know, he catapulted himself from kind of that mid-50s range into that top 10 range as well. And now all of a sudden um, – He's beaten the best players in the world. He showed up when he needed to at the Ryder Cup, getting, you know, him, uh, Rom, and Rory, they needed to get points. They combined for 10 points uh, as a trio. And I think that Victor now has not only the uh, the physical tools they were lacking in one of them, but he's got them all now. Uh, along with that mental mindset of, you know, equal parts. You know, I, I'm a pretty chill guy, but also I know I could be a world beater as well. So yeah, Victor Hovland, major champion by the end of 2024 uh, for sure.
1: He feels like he's getting into that superstar realm. Like I was telling George off the air, my favorite golfer before this was Max Homa, and I think after this season, Victor Hovland might have taken that over.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, Victor, like, he's so funny, like, sneaky funny, and he's also really, really good. Like, I mean, he is the fourth-ranked person, fourth-ranked golfer in the world, so it's not all that it's not all that jarring for you to be like, yeah, I think this guy's, like, the best in the world, because he pretty much is. Uh, he just doesn't have that kind of uh, demanding – you know, stature, like he's not, he's very, very small. Like John Rahm is a big, big boy. You know, Rory is short, but he's, you know, stocky. Um, You know, Scotty Scheffler is, is a big, is a big lad as well. Brooks Koepka is a big lad. Like there's nothing really all that intimidating about Victor Hovland, except for, you know, his game and the results at the end of the week. So um, sometimes, sometimes that helps. And and I think that he would be a very, very popular uh, major winner uh, next year for sure. And and quickly on, on the Max Holmes side, you know, talk about being an MVP, on he the American so cool. side. I mean, he, he wanted to make the president's cup team last year. I think he went, you know, four, four and O at that, uh, on that squad. And he was, uh, you know, the highest point getter on the American side this time around. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, he lives for the big moments, um, thrives in this atmosphere can, and kind of prove that, you can be funny, you can have a life, you can be personable, you know, you can say yes to the media, you can do x, y and z and you can also when, you know, when the bell rings, you, you can do your job. And, and I think that Max Holman just became, you know, if he wasn't already one of the most popular guys, he definitely kind of transcended, you know, some of the golfing stuff and and, and really kind of made an impact this past weekend for sure.
1: I have to ask you about Scotty Scheffler crying it up after getting smoked 9 and 7. What were you thinking?
3: You could kind of tell that this is a guy who wears his heart on the sleeve and and and, and is an emotional guy. You know, he admitted uh, Saturday night before he went out to win the Masters that you know he had trouble sleeping, basically cried all night at at, at the moment. And I think that that was you know an actual sign. In this past weekend, now I'm speaking about this was a sign that like, hey, maybe there are some guys on that team who who care because I think the, the struggle on the American side is that they're, you know, they're a collection of individuals that come together versus Europe is, is team Europe. They're, they're very much a team, but you look at, you know, the emotion that Scotty puts out there, you know, that, that really hurt him. It hurt him to play so poorly. It hurt him to let, down the rest of his team and his country you know max as a spark plug justin thomas spark plug you know some of these guys like they they really care about this and they they live in this moment um and you know there wasn't a lot of things that went right on the american side but you know when something went wrong like what happened with scotty and brooks you know scotty wasn't all that afraid to you know put his head in his hands and just have those shoulders start hoovering because he was you know he was sad he was upset he was ticked off and all those things, you know, kind of made him more human. And, um, you know, I thought it was—I thought it was one of those everlasting moments from uh, from this week for sure.
2: Um, Adam, uh, that kind of puts a bow on the golf season uh, for this year. Uh, we all look ahead to Kapalua in January, but uh, I'm going to give you an over/under. I like—I like to do over/unders. Ooh. Cuts made for Tiger Woods in 2024: <laughs> one and a half over/under.
3: Uh, under. I think he I think he makes the, I think he makes the cut at one of the majors uh and so he's going to probably try to tee it up at all four of them but I think he only makes one cut. So I'm going to say under. I'm going to go with the under. I'm wow. going to say he makes one cut. Yeah.
2: And that'll be the Masters he makes the cut at, right?
3: I, I that's kind of what I was leaning towards. But yeah, I would I would say I would say that's probably what's going to happen next year.
2: And uh, sneakily, what's the story we should keep an eye on in 2024 in golf?
3: Mm. I, you know, the the story about 2024, I think, is what's going to happen in 2025. Like, it's going to okay. be one of those ever, ever-evolving threads of we know that Liv's going to have a schedule in 2024. We know that the PGA Tour is going to have a schedule in 2024. Both have been announced, or Liv is coming out soon. Um, but what is going to happen in 2025? Someone's going to have to make a decision, and that's going to be played out, you know, all through the next 12 months. Big, big Canadian thing, though. President's Cup, Royal Montreal in September. Who knows? Internationals on, in air quotes, home soil. Maybe they take it to the Americans as well.
1: Enjoy the end of the live season, hey?
3: <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I can't wait to get to, get over to Saudi Arabia for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, Adam Stanley <laughs> covers golf uh, for Sportsnet. Uh, thanks, thanks for this, pal. Nope, oh, there he goes. Nope. He's gone Bang. on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline two tournaments
1: left for live buddy they're heading to jetta next who's even leading live uh kem smith oh is he and the four aces oh great
2: the adidas logo that they give out <laughs> to every championship win <laughs> Liv, <laughs> like great i won the adidas logo again in the shape of an l that's essentially what it is
1: okay let
0: me think
1: about it seriously
2: think about
0: what
1: so good yeah at least they make great commercials right yep Mm -hmm.
2: um brooks nobody cared that he was on live brooks gets along with everybody so that was cool
1: yeah you he was there like this was maybe the least i noticed brooks kepka at a like big golf weekend since all season long i would say because he was actually like in the mix for all the majors this year didn't notice him once this week. The, and, the only notable thing is he was part of that duo that got smoked, him and Scheffler. And for people who don't like golf
2: because it has an air of elitism, mm-hmm. like Patrick Cantlay screams that. Yes. Like, oh, I don't want to wear the hat. I'm not getting paid. And he, mm-hmm. the dude wears a Goldman Sachs hat. Like, come yeah. on, man.
1: Yeah, he's not necessarily the the everyman. No. That's more of the... Yes. The Lowry's, the Lowry's, the Hatton's, the, uh, uh, Jerry Higgs, J- Joel Damon, Harry Higgs, uh, Higgs is a good one, huh, especially because he's like...
2: sponsored by dude wipes. Yeah, that's a hell that's of one my one. favorite guy gets sweaty out there. Um, one and a half cuts you for Tiger Woods. Me,
1: sir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Under? I-, I like the under. I don't know. Okay. Like every time you see a video, it's like, look at Tiger Woods is walking. And you're like, that's a pretty serious limp still. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Walking 18, four days straight and making the cut. Yeah. I guess they only have to do it for two days to make the cut like he did this year. But I think he makes the cut at the Masters, though. Yeah. One's a good number. Yeah. If you had said yes or no on does he make a cut?
2: No chance of the U.S. Open, though. It's all going to be difficult U.S. For open's him. impossible.
1: What's his only chance? The PGA Championship then? If uh, I think, I the think second if he cut? actually
2: played uh, the Open Championship, he could work his way around. He knows how to play Lynx golf.
1: Could probably do it.
2: You see we got the roster for the Flames game tonight? Uh, sure. What do you got for us?
1: Uh, Pretty veteran roster for the last home game of the season. Uh, Based on lines of practice yesterday, I'm going to guess it looks like this. Lindholm centering Huberto and Manjapani. Caudry centering Rosichka and Dubé. Backlund between Govic and Coronado. And then some combination of Coleman, Hunt, and Schwint as the fourth line. Uh, they've also got eight defensemen listed. and Anderson, Hannafin, Zadorov, Weger, Osterly, Tanev, uh, Soloviov, Sil- and DeSimone, Markstrom, and Wolf as the netminders.
2: Okay, uh, we'll have it for you tonight on uh, Sportsnet 960. Uh, just three more to go. Six Let's o'clock go. pregame. Let's go. Patty, live your
1: pregame. Wills and Megan will have the call just after 7 o'clock.
2: Let's go. Three more games to go. Um, Before we say goodbye, our NFL Big Bets is brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks. Make your picks. At SportsSelect.com, must be 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. You had another spectacular week.
1: We had one terrible week, one spectacular week, and one 500 week. We had six games, started with the Packers and the Lions. Uh, you and I both hit on that. Patrick missed with the Packers, plus two. All three of us were correct on the Falcons and Jags game. I had the under. You both had the Jags, minus three. Uh, I hit the Ravens, plus three. You missed on the over. Patty had the Browns there. He had a terrible week. Uh, we both hit the over in the Bills and the Dolphins game. Patty had the Dolphins plus points. I hit the under in the Patriots and the Cowboys. You guys both had the Patriots plus points. That did not work out. And then we all missed in the Sunday nighter. You and I both had the Chiefs minus the points. Patty had the under. In the end, Patty goes one and five. I went five and one. You were three and three. Standings after week number four. I'm 16, 17, 16, seven and one Ooh. out in front. Uh, George is 13 and 11, and Patty is 11, 12 and 1. Okay. Uh, More picks on Thursday.
2: Just nine games above 500, no big deal. That's pretty good. And uh, tomorrow, big day for us here. One year anniversary. It's going to be magical. Can't wait. Wow, that's very high expectations. Magical.
1: Uh, Forgot it was tomorrow. So, yeah, expectations are high.
2: One year already. Isn't that crazy how time flies by?
1: When you're having fun.
2: Sure. Um what do you mean, one sure? year. Uh one year tomorrow. Shoot us a text, nine sixty, nine sixty name and location. what you'd uh, you you love to hear fun? on the one year anniversary show. And I think we'll have Alex Brody on tomorrow. Slide him in on the show.
1: I'm sure he's listening. Brody, we're gonna call you tomorrow.
2: Yeah. And we'll play uh we'll play some stuff from over the past year that we've enjoyed. And uh we definitely gotta play the infamous John Heyman interview too.
1: Yeah. And when your boy might have had a couple of cocktails.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll play that one to the day after the beer
1: league game. That's a good one. GVP, have have you found that clip yet? No, no. I was going to tackle everything on that today. I haven't heard that yet, so I'm looking. Because you're like, like, please don't want to. Yeah, I've tried to repress it as much as I can, but the problem is it comes up once a week, so it's really hard. And the
2: thing (laughs) is with the John Heyman interview, too, uh, if you were listening live, you heard it. We didn't include it in the podcast. But no, we will it's, replay that tomorrow. It's the hidden audience. It's, it's a short interview. <laughs> it's definitely a short interview. <laughs> Probably the best one I've ever done, to be honest with you. You know what? And you know what the worst thing is? Man I'm such a fuga's. smart ass, too, and I hate that. <laughs> Damn your quick thinking, Russick. That totally alienates a guy who will never come on the radio station again.
1: He's only one of the biggest insiders in the MLB. It's, yeah. not, like we are, it's not like we would never. ever call him ever again.
2: Uh, GVP, what do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show?
1: Uh, We're going to do Charles Davis to kick off the hour. And then at the bottom of the hour, for those who missed it, uh, we'll replay our chat we had with Craig Conroy.
2: Okay, great stuff. Check out the podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, We'll have fun tomorrow. One-year anniversary. I think we'll have the franchise on, too. Talk some Calgary Flames. Three more preseason games to go. Have a terrific Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.